Welcome to Grab Life Big. Grab Life Big. The exclusive podcast for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic life. Or as a few of us say, badass rich guys who do epic shit. And now, your host, that's Hybin. If this is empty, this doesn't matter. That's your home. I'm always home. I'm on tour. Me too. You're doing great, dude. Telling true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're uncool. This is my advice to you. I know you think these guys are your friends. If you want to be a true friend to them, be honest and unmerciful. Wrong Tribe Confounds, The Right Tribe Compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires at $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. All right, go Boos. I got what Mr. Brandon Lore here from Jersey City, New Jersey. What's going on, boss? What's well, good, bro? Thank you so much for the invite. It's a pleasure to be here. And Pat, thanks again, man. I look forward to this. Hey, why don't you give us a five-minute like story of your life, right? Like, sure. From sure. the day you were born till now. Sure. I'll keep it as short and sweet as possible. I was born in upstate New York. Lived there until I was five. Enjoyed the the woods, the scenery, and we moved to New Hampshire after that for give or take two or three years. Then. So my parents are from China and they are rather entrepreneurial. So my dad closed his medical supplies business and started a enterprise planning software company in China, uh, PowerBridge Technologies around when I was seven, give or take. And then he moved to, to, to China and uh, that was in Macau. So that's like the Las Vegas of Asia. It's very, very small. It's probably smaller than the size of Manhattan, but as of right now, it's got like 60 plus casinos in that one island. So think about Manhattan with 60 plus casinos. Well, that's what you got. So he moved there and then, you know, my mom and dad were kind of separated physically for two years and mom couldn't take it anymore. So we ended up moving to China. So I was in Macau around the age of nine. So I stayed there until ballpark 13, 11, ah, 11 to 13. And we moved to a smaller city, Zhuhai, off the coast. That's an hour from Hong Kong. And I would say would be the Florida of Asia, if you want to put it any other way. So we, we went there. I, I stayed there for four years and attended high school and all that. And I wrapped up middle school and high school. And I came back at the age of 18 to Boston for college. And that was at Babson College, uh, entrepreneurial school. Uh, once I graduated, landed a job in, well, I majored in finance. Didn't do that well at school, but long story short, I did land a job at uh, JP Morgan, I believe, a junior analyst something. Uh, worked there for a few years, two years, and then ended up at Morgan Stanley for around three and a half years. Towards the, 
the last few months of that or last few uh last leg of that stretch i got promoted it was probably my fourth promotion in the three years i was there i was i started off at i think 16 bucks an hour and within a few months i got raised to 24.50 i remember that pretty clearly and i was living with my grandma at the time and then uh, a year after that i got promoted to 37.50 and then after I got promoted to manager on my last race, after being one, a manager for a full year and taking on additional responsibilities, this and that, they gave me a one and a half percent raise. And at that point, I was clocking overtime. My boss was crazy. She was, I mean, she stayed there until 11, two or three nights out the week. And, you know, wow. young and hungry. yeah, young and hungry. And I'm trying to be there with her and one night we pulled an all-nighter you know it's like i left at 10 a.m it was ridiculous on a saturday and mind you it's not like i'm in investment banking i'm, I'm kind of in the back office and doing capital so so capital risk really in the risk department so it's not revenue generating so typically our hours are more uh, corporate for lack of a better word so we stayed i got the one and a half percent raise and i'm like oh my god so i looked into other avenues of making money and uh, at that point it was like 2000 late 2016 actually late to, yeah late 2016 and then at that point you know i after reading and doing all these kind of things i i figured getting to real estate uh would be the way to go i did have some money saved up i had some friends who had a little bit of money to invest and i was kind of figuring out should i raise capital to buy deals or should i you know just what should i do should I, just billion one ways to do anything in real estate. So I figured that at that point in time, late 2016, that the deals were more important than the money, right? Having good deals was better than having the money. And, you know, that's where I landed. So I got into real estate wholesaling. That way I could not only have access to the best deals, but then I could eventually build up a rental portfolio, uh, which would be the primary driver. So I did my first deal while working at Morgan Stanley. And so I was taking seller calls and the conference room and stuff like that and going on a smoke break and, and making a few dials there. Um, but we locked up our first deal on December 31st, literally, you know, the eve of the new year. And while I was visiting my girlfriend's parents in Taiwan. So long distance call, I locked up the deal. We ended up selling it. It was a heck of a crazy deal uh, due to what we didn't know. And uh, we made $35,000 on that first wholesale. And we're like, what the heck? I was making like 85, 90, you know? So this was like almost a quarter of revenue in one deal. Um, light bulb went off, alarm bells started ringing. And next thing you know, I joined another company while moonlighting the existing company that allowed me, that were former Morgan Stanley employees, that allowed me to work three days a week, right? So they just needed a face that could talk and dress up in a suit. So I was hired as a consultant and uh, I was there for around a year, slightly less, and I was moonlighting the business. So I was working at this new company um, as a consultant and I was, you know, for W2 income and all that. And I was also doing real estate wholesaling. I had a partner at the time, that's one partner, and we grew that business. And after a year, we, I left uh, the consulting gig and have been full-time in real estate. As of now, we have, 30, 29 rentals or units, give or take around $6 million worth. We're doing 30 to 
25 to 50 deals a year, uh, depending. And these are a mix of wholesales, fix and flips, and rentals. We operate primarily in the Jersey City market, which is a city of give or take 275,000 people. And we also do other areas around North Jersey that border uh, Manhattan. And we also do a little bit of the Jersey Shore. So we have 10 employees and most of them are, everybody is virtual. Everybody. I got two W-2s, one in Ohio, one in Florida, and the rest are in the Philippines that are just banging on the phones. So I hope that answered your question, my story. Hope I didn't take too long. Yeah, that was great. And did you get married? (laughs) Yes. On the, yeah, so first date with with my uh, future wife, it was like, yo, I'm starting this new business. Uh, and that was like, before I even started business, that was like the week that I was starting the business. So I was super psyched and all that. And, she, you know, I'm starting a new business. It's going to be great. I'm going to quit my job and all that. And she's like, yeah, great. What about me? <laughs> you know, let's, let's get back to the date. So, right, right, yeah. 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 So, you know, I met her through Tinder, swiped right. And thank God she did as well. <laughs> <laughs> and we've been together ever since. So it's been three years. We got married awesome. right smack in the middle of COVID. Our wedding this year was supposed to be like now. Like I should be in Bali, like literally right now. Um, oh, man, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> we did get married. I won't say randomly, but like the location and timing was a bit bad because of COVID. But uh, we got married at a local park, officiant or priest or whatever you want to call it. Plus my mom, best friend, and her. So very super, you know, that was like March, April. During, and Jersey was like, the, Jersey and New York City was the last place you wanted to be during that time. So we had the officiant who had gloves. He had the uh, face mask. And then he had a visor on top. And then he had like an astronaut soup over that. So he was like, oh, you were taking a wife at your Oh, my God. Yeah, so. Are you kidding me? You had an astronaut soup. Yeah, he pretty much had the astronaut Great, great photos. So that was uh, very interesting. And uh, yeah, I mean, he did take off the suit for the picture because, yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's really cool. So, So I've been to Taiwan and I've been to China. I have an adopted sister that's. Taiwanese so oh, wow like was there was there any how's the family getting along her family and your family everything cool was yeah. like your family pretty liberal liberal and, and probably not uh, not an issue yeah so my dad works all the time and he's just you know kind of uh, we have super different upbringings I was living by myself in a boarding school and since I was 12 so when I was in I forgot to oh, mention that part of my life story but when I was growing up, uh, because there was no, and this is a really bad decision, I personally think, from my parents in hindsight, that because I moved to Asia when I was 12, I didn't have the linguistic capabilities to just hop in, right? So they threw me to an international school. But the only thing about the international school was there was none. So I had to go kind of out of state. So it was like an hour and a half away. Um, in a neighboring city. And that's where I kind of stayed Monday to Friday and then hopped back over the weekend. And that was boarding school since I was 12, 13. And then when I was 14, I got my own apartment. So you can imagine how that went. But what they should have done was thrown me into a Chinese school. That way, like I can speak fluent Cantonese and Mandarin, but I can't read and write. And I learned by talking and memorizing. So 
in reality, what that means is I talk a little bit ghetto, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, so lots of curse words, lots of bad words, but street talk, <laughs> Low, fluent. Lower you know. class. Yeah, yeah. that's funny. Yeah, so that's pretty, yeah, pretty low class. But I can talk it fluently and, you know, I can be polite and all that. It's just uh, I didn't have formal training for any, for any Chinese. So, you know, that's one thing I think because uh, there was a few kids that were in a similar situation, but their parents kind of hardballed it. And they just stuck the kids in a completely different environment, like just straight out. Like they don't speak a lick of uh, Chinese and they were stuck in Chinese school. And over a few years, they became like fluent. You could talk business in Chinese. Like it was, they could read the newspapers and all that. So that was a big difference. But uh, yeah, that's, that's what happened when I lived by myself for six years. Yeah, well, you you have commonality with David Osborne, our other GoBundance founder. Yeah. His parents shipped him off to London at about the same age in the boarding school. So yeah, wow. so he grew up in a in an international school as well. So yeah, yeah, that's got to be an interesting upbringing, and and uh, it, it probably comes with its own social challenges, you know. But it is. It's uh, hey, so it's your life, right? So yeah. uh, let's move on a little bit. So let's, you got 29 properties. Yeah. Uh, what is the horizontal income coming from that? Horizontal income. Let me pull that up for you one sec. So as of right now, September, pardon my printer in the background, September yeah, no problem. 12th, actually, which happened to be my birthday. We're bringing in a gross schedule income of 420000 on an annual basis. Is that net? No, that's gross. That's gross schedule. That's just pure rents. The Those NOI, rent. okay. yeah, NOI or the net operating comes around two hundred ninety-one thousand with a net of ninety-nine. We operate in rather expensive markets, and the cash flow has always been really weak here. Uh, let's say Class C product would go for like five fifty for a two-family, five hundred fifty thousand for a two-family. Yeah, um, that's Class C. Yeah. And then, and so, and you got to split that hundred grand with somebody. I own all my properties by myself except for one two-family. So okay, yeah. So that's yours. So yeah, right now you got. And, and do, you, do you have any income other than your the, the horizontal, the hundred grand? Yes, we have a wholesaling or real estate acquisitions business. So we do, like I said, twenty-five to fifty deals a year. Wow. Yeah, so that's really where our active. You know, how's that going? That's going good. I think uh, we had some few hiccups this year, basically vendors that we paid that went out of business and can't get our money back. But yeah. Um, and they, they didn't finish the work. So you did a, you bought a yeah. flip. Well, this one's it. different. Like it was a mailing campaign. So I was spending like $25,000 a month on like sending out direct mail and this company was in California and it was like a big name person, you know, you know, he, uh, that backed it and he was this company like, that was his passive income and all that. And then during COVID, we spent twenty five thousand. Wait, 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 wait. What's a big name? What's a big name mean? What does that mean? Like he he he's got like two hundred or three hundred podcasts, like episodes. Like he's got his own podcast. Who is it? It's uh, Michael Quarles from. Uh, uh, he's pretty active on. Uh, yeah, I think he came on my my real estate uh, show when I had it. My. Yeah. Yeah, Michael Quarles. Yeah, man, yeah. he might have came on more than once. Yeah, he's a, so he went he's a big business. deal. He's a big deal. 
you know. And then and then you get you sent him forty five grand and he just popped uh, twenty five G's, twenty five G's, give or take. And that was for a month of mailing. I, I don't know, it was twenty G's, twenty five G's, something along that line. And there was a month of mailing, meaning four batches. If I sent out thirty thousand letters, so that's thirty thousand divided by four, so seventy five hundred letters a week. Month one, uh, week one, two, three, four. He sent out one batch, and the other three he never sent. And um, he got shut down for COVID. I understand, but it is almost October, and uh, this order was placed in January, if not even before that. I don't know. Nah, he's yeah, he's out of business. I mean, that's yeah, that's too bad. You know what's interesting is there's that was that other guy that Fox News reporter, Fox Business News. What was that guy's name? I think you know I'm talking about he. Yeah, I think I know who you're talking about. I can't think of the name, but there was, is it the Morris Clayton? Yeah, Morris. Morris um, Clayton, right? Like this dude that was just raising yeah, Morris capital. Yeah, Morris Clayton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was buying all these type of, I don't know the story, but he was buying a bunch of properties. And he came on my there. show the same way, same way as Quarles. He came on my show a couple <laughs> times. And then, you know, everybody was following him. They were, uh, they, you know, he was a big shot. And next thing yeah. you know, he actually had so much debt and so many bad deals <laughs> that he moved to Costa Rica. He like fled the country. He fled the country. He moved yeah, to Costa much Rica. Left for him here. Yeah. I could, yeah. But that was the if thing. You got a bigger pocket. Did, yeah. Have you looked up quarrels on bigger pockets? Are they bashing him? Because they bashed the shit out of. Yeah, they, they didn't oh bash the shit. God. They didn't bash uh, Michael nearly as hard because they were just in disbelief, I guess. And, you know, he's not really responding to posts. So, you know. Well, what a, happened with, uh, Clayton Mar- with Clayton Morris, what happened was they, they started emailing me and posting uh-huh. on my other YouTube videos. And were like, you have recordings of a, of a person that's a, you know, whatever, a crook and he stole right. my money and da 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 To the point where we had to actually take all our past interviews down. Oh, no. Because we were getting so much pressure from, like, haters. Right. That's crazy. Like, you never know, though. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, people look so good and have this, you know, amazing lifestyle on, uh, like, Instagram. And all of a sudden, like, a few years later, they something happens. They go bankrupt or they lose their uh-huh. shit. They go crazy. Or they've just been unethical all along. So You just never know what's under the hood. The wrong tribe confounds. The right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires, a $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. You know, so let's, let's talk a little bit about health. Tell me what your diet is, what your exercise routine is, your weight, your body fat, all that good stuff. Gotcha. So health-wise, I can't say I'm like, here's my diet. Caffeine, a lot of meat, and cigarettes, honestly. So it's not the best, and I don't think that's something I've been focusing on. Um, I do exercise, depending on the week, uh, between two to four times. And this is just home gym, so I'm doing like uh, burpees, push-ups, pull-ups, crunches, stuff like that. So nothing crazy. But, you know, diet-wise, I never had a weight problem. I have a too skinny problem, and I don't eat enough. So I don't know how accurate it is, but, you know, I'm, health is really not 
or, or the body in terms of diet consumption is not something I'm an expert on by all matters, but you know, I'm, I just try to eat as much as I can, as healthy as I can. Um, but my main problem is I don't eat enough. Um, there's a lot of days that I'm, I'm a lot better now since COVID, but before it was maybe four days out of five on the work weeks, I would almost always skip lunch. I don't have breakfast either. So my first meal is at like six. And because every time I eat, I get my mind slows down and I lose the aggression and the, the, the drive because I'm full and I get this mini food coma. So I haven't really been eating. It's gotten a little bit better thanks to wifey. She's making me sandwiches. She's like, stuff this down my throat. She's like, hey, just eat it. You know, she'll give me something. So I, I am getting a little bit better in that regards, but I definitely don't eat enough. And yeah, courtesy of China, when I was in China and my boarding school, everybody over the age of 13 smoked. Men, women, teacher, faculties, like the, the entrance to the school, the guards, everybody. So I've been smoking for a while and in Asian culture, smoking is like, back in the day, there's nowhere you couldn't smoke. Like the only place where you don't smoke is an elevator. And like, that's it. You would smoke in the restaurants, you smoke in the karaoke bars, you smoke in the bars, you would smoke wherever, anywhere, you know? It's not even unheard of to smoke on the bus. So, <laughs> uh, but that was back it's in the so day. It's so crazy, right? So yeah, crazy. that was it's back so in crazy the day. that the cult, cult, cultures are so different. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot of that area is overseas too. You know what I mean? Yeah. You go to Europe yeah. and they smoke in the bars and they. Yeah. They, you know, I mean, it's, yeah. You know, who's it's, heard of drinking? Who heard of drinking without smoking? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it's funny. All right. Yeah. All right. Wow. So let's talk about your like greatest hits, right? So every every musical star out there has a greatest hits album. They got the the five, you know, best songs they ever right. played or recorded. And I'm curious what your greatest hits are. First of all, how old are you, Brandon? Just turned 31, like two weeks ago. All right. So, but Brandon Lore's greatest hits, five five poignant moments in you know, the first 35 years of life that, uh, like if you died tomorrow, you would be laying in bed. These five moments would pass through your, your eyes. What are right. they? I think the first one would be just sometime during COVID, right? When shit was hitting the fan across the world. It kind of still is right. But there was a point where there was, absolute 1000% pure negativity across the press, the news, everything, right? The world was going to hell, it's the end of the world, blah, blah, blah. And it was at that point where everybody was losing their jobs. And I, I felt nothing but pure gratitude. And I think this can answer a few of the greatest hits as gratitude that everything is going fine. I didn't have any tenant issues. I mean, there's a few that got laid off and we Paid it from the paid the rent from the security deposit and that was it and they caught up right after that, but like we didn't have it wasn't the end of the world right and we're just so grateful that we have what I have that I'll never go hungry that we had more than enough liquid to be completely comfortable for our current lifestyle and also to be blessed with the relationship that I have with my wife that we're just happy uh, and we we are each other's rocks. Um, I got her back. She got mine. And that was just like one of the biggest moments, like, oh, shit, like, it's actually okay. And I, I think that was a huge light bulb where all the 
the whole the past few years we've been busting ass trying to build you know a business a brand make money this and that get big and um, it came down to like just being able to you know, the relationships are what truly matter and just taking care of those who matter the most to you so i think the gratitude was the biggest by far gratitude financially and for relationships i guess would be a good word to put it in the past few months so i think that one is amazing and um my business from a professional standpoint the business that i have is there's a lot of room for improvement as in every business there are many areas that we suck at we we're not good at it's disorganized it's haphazard but at the end of the day like having the ability to just sit back and having sales team bring you deals and then making one or two phone calls and the deals are sold or one or two phone calls and a deal is bought you know that's that's amazing uh, you know so i i think those would be my three greatest ones just having the ability to constantly lock up deals at a significant discount that's just a godsend so i'm extremely grateful for that and i look forward to optimizing that channel even more and scaling it to another market so that th- those really are my true 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 greatest hits everything else is like That's secondary cool. compared to those yeah well it's interesting right i guess those were all you know when i hear that it's like those were the ones that you were in control of yeah um, you i know, don't watch it's kind of some it sounds like some of your life especially in the beginning was probably a little too controlled you know yeah, yeah. and, and so now th- these are ones that you created th- th- those destinies. Even when you're working for Morgan Stanley or whatever, that lady, you know, from the little that I know about you, Brandon, I mean, that was in a sense controlling. And then suddenly, you know, you're creating these great moments from, from when you're finally free. Right, your, your own efforts and not depending on whether the department had a budget for it or, you know, things of that nature or mm-hmm. they to give you a raise because the guy that's also bullshit right yeah yeah Yeah. bullshit exactly exactly so (laughs) things what what about the future so let's talk about the future give me five in the future what you're going to create well the biggest one i guess right now well not yet but june of next year if all else being equal and safe is the wedding so that's going to be in bali i look forward to that that's going to be fun once we figure out how to do logistics. So that's one. And second, from a professional standpoint, is really trying to nail down and completely automate our entire business here in New Jersey. We're almost, I would say we're just a few mini markets uh, away from saturating everywhere we want to invest in in New Jersey. And that's it. So we'll just saturate the rest of New Jersey, which is honestly not too much work to, to expand to those few more areas because there's not that many areas that we would like to expand into. And once we have that nailed down, we would optimize and automate, and then we would scale simultaneously by looking to and moving to a new market that we'll also call home. So that's the the grand goal, I guess, for... I mean, it was for this year, honestly, for me to just pick a market, not move there yet, but just at least pick one. I should be on track. That's one of those rocks that I'm actually scheduled to talk about this week with my GoPod. But 
we should be on track before well, the, end of the year to pick one. Well, well, let me talk to you about that. You still got three more, but I want to talk to you about that one. So, you know, New York, right? I mean, I've been reading stuff. You know, mm-hmm. it does it doesn't look good from right. what I read. Like inventory is up, like yeah, sixty five percent. Rents are rents are are going down. I get it. It's a good place to probably move on from and at least diversify from. Tell me about the moratorium that's going on there and, you know, how that's going to be affecting you, do you think, or how it already is affecting you financially and when that thing will be lifted. And it's basically, guys, it's a moratorium on evictions. I guess the question is, have you had any tenants that have not paid rent on account of this moratorium? That sort of thing. I screen the heck out of my tenants like... I will, I, I've had some horror stories. I'm not sure if you want me to share, but let's just put it this way. Like if a guy's name, two applicants is John Schmo. And the second one is, I don't know, just Mary Jane, whatever. I would start Googling once I get the background check for both Josh Schmo and Mary Jane, John mm-hmm. Jane, Mary Schmo. I would like mix their names up. I would see like, I would that's put, interesting. So that's yeah. like a scam that, you know what, I actually had a tenant that I had to evict, and that's, you know, what he did is he created names that were half similar. Yes. But, you know, that's, I never thought about doing that. And, like, the background check, I mean, I'm not sophisticated by any means. I use Cozy. It's free software, rent collection, you know. It's, yeah, it's that's not, what I use, too. Yeah, so it's just like, it, it, you know, I use the background check on Cozy, so you know, right? Like, it didn't work, like... It's like all clear. It says all clear. I'm like, okay. He checked out in person, but I just want to do a double check. And then it was this African-American church looking dude. Like it looks like he goes to church and I do a background check and it's just all clear. I start Googling his name and I start switching it up. And then I figured he just got out of jail. I saw this in a news article and he was in jail for literally killing a prostitute with a brick. I'm like, God dang. Close call. So, you know, I think the six. And, and, but, but how would he? But what? So wait a minute. So they ran a credit check on him and everything. Yeah. And they said he cleared. That, it passed. Everything so, passed. So, like straight out background so check. So how did he like? Check. How did he get a? How how did he get a? So he just had good credit. I have no idea. But he, but he, but he no, he, he he pretty much came like with no credit, which is typical. A lot of people have no oh, credit. Really? Yeah. Like again, a lot of our properties are on like sea areas, so it's not like the end of the world. But uh, like this one was, you know, there's a lot of students. So no, credit. so so everybody's so everybody's paid basically. No one's yeah. no one's utilized that. Stop no, paying no. and no. and then yeah. stuck you for the eviction. Okay. So, so what areas are you looking at outside of New York that can help balance that? Right. Like, what did you learn from that? Where, where are you going to start? Where are you going to move to to invest? So just before I answer that real quick, like in Jersey, right? Like if they're, at least in where we operate our primary market, if they're on a month-to-month lease, you can't end the lease and ask them to leave. It makes zero sense, but that's the law. They're protected by the something called the Anti-Eviction Act, which means if they're paying tenants, you cannot legally ask them to leave, even if the lease is up. You have to renew the lease. That's a given. So that is literally the most frustrating thing. So... If market rent is fifteen hundred and you have some family or dude or gal paying seven hundred dollars, you can only raise the rent what the judge calls a conscionable amount, which is 
depending on what the judge feels is conscionable. And anything over that would be rejected. And you cannot ask them to leave. So you can't just ask them to leave and then bring in a new tenant and market rate. You can't do that. If they don't want to leave, which they will not because their rent is low compared to everywhere else, they will not want to leave regardless of the condition. Ask me how I know. So the only way to really get out of any lease is cash for keys every single time. So that's really the, the main problem with New Jersey, that the answer to pretty much everything, assuming you want to be ethical, right, is literally cash for keys. There's, there's no other way. If the rents are dramatically below market or the tenants are savvy, which they typically are more savvy than the ones with PhDs when you're operating in C plus markets, you know, or C plus areas, that's really the main problem. The main conundrum is you can't get people out without giving them money. And they all know that. So that is by far the biggest. I've never went through a full eviction ever because we would always settle on something right before it reaches. You would file the eviction. They would get the notice and you would negotiate something, right? And hopefully you do it before you file. And, you know, it goes more friendly and amicable. But if it doesn't, then you file the eviction and then you you know, negotiate cash for keys and then sign that and give him the key. He gives you keys, you give him money, boom, it's done. So that's what I'm trying to avoid. And that's one of the main reasons I want to get out because taxes are really high for most of the areas that we operate in, property taxes. And it is extremely difficult to get tenants out. And like getting tenants out is the name of the game for investment real estate. Uh, you're usually buying properties distressed at a discount from distressed landlords and you have to get them out in order to repurpose the property, fix it up and get your money out, you know, or do whatever you got to do to it. So we're looking for markets that are like the lease is up. You can ask them to leave. You give them 60 days notice and they're gone and that's it. You know, if they don't pay rent, you can immediately file for eviction and there's no, there's no craziness. I mean, the moratorium is until like uh, February. So it's, it, it and 60 days after the national emergency is, it's not emergency anymore. So the CDC apparently has, or at least that's what my attorney said, is uh, scheduled that for 1231, so end of this year. So that means for 60 days after that, you can't evict. And then after that, there's a backlog of like thousands of people waiting in line trying to evict their tenants. So good luck trying to get anybody out before like May of next year. This is not going to happen. So the only way to do it. That's crazy. Yeah. So there's a lot of people from distressed landlords and all that. And they're like, I've been trying to evict since February, you know, and then COVID hit and <laughs> I still haven't gotten anything. And that's wow. what we're trying to avoid. We're, we're, we're very, very, very much so trying to avoid that. And there's rent control and everything over four units. So five and up, all rent control wow. for most of that's the crazy, Right. Like I never understood that either. Like why yeah. do they, you know, what difference does it make? Whether you have five units, a hundred units, or one unit, right? Yeah. Why? So, why? You know, it's just it's just retarded. But all yeah. right. So let's go. Uh, give me another. Uh, let's wrap this up with one final like big goal for Brandon Lore. It could be a future greatest hit. It could be a. Uh, it could be just a, a goal that you have, like where you want to be in ten years. Give me something that you see on your horizon that maybe the Go Bros too can help right. you uh, keep accountable to and, and, and remind you of from time to time? I think for me right now, like I work very sporadically in bursts. So I would go hard in the paint for like three, four months and then I'll tap out for like two months and I'll go right back at it. And for me, the biggest problem and always the biggest 
driver of any kind of success for me is getting into the right right mindset, the right habits, uh, both are key and sustaining it. But because when I get motivated, I play, I'm not sure angry is a good word, but play aggressive and uh, maybe a little bit angry. So just like, not angry as an emotion angry, but like, let's, let's freaking move. And I can't sustain that. So for me, like trying to get into that state of mind, and keeping it up as long as possible is really the, the, the trick. And for me to do that, I need the right habits. I need to exercise more, sleep more, and you know, meditate and do all that good stuff. So for me, it's building the right habits and keeping it up daily. So if I have the right habits, I was able to 10x my income in like a year when I got out, when I just started the business and the first two years. Third year was kind of stagnant. Fourth year is weird, which is this year is weird. So has it been great? Has it been bad? I mean, it's been great in some times, bad in some other times, you know, so it's not, we're doing fine. We're still making money. We got nine deals on the contract. It's great. Things are just dragging. So there's deals that are just taking forever to close. It's been like nine months, blah, blah. So things are happening, but I, I feel like they could be better if I just had a more focused mindset, a healthier mindset as well. So for me, it's just trying to nail down the the crucial habits, which is meditation, journaling, exercising, and reading, which are, these are my four that I'm really trying to get set up on. If I could do that, then I know whatever goals that I have, they will, they'll happen. So that's all I need. I just need four habits. I do them every day or every other day for, in terms of exercise, whatever, then I, I'm, I'm golden. So that's, that's really the, my one trick pony is to, to get into that kind of state of mind. Cause when I'm in that state of mind, it's, it's smooth sailing, you know, any problems that come up, boom, they get, they get knocked out. Otherwise it's me getting knocked out. So, you know, I just get knocked out, you know, hang out and just let the hours go by. And so I was trying to keep that momentum up, which is the main thing. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. All right, buddy. Well, it's been great to get to know you on this call and chat with you. And I look forward to meeting you face to face. Yeah. Absolutely. One of the uh, GoBundance event, hopefully in January or absolutely. not before, man. Yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely going to be the one in January. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It's a pleasure. Thanks, brother. In life, to be honest, I failed as much as I've succeeded. But I love my wife. I love my life. And I wish you my kind of success. Don't step to me, bitch. Now you 